You are listening to a Burb Mono broadcast. This particular episode with none other than World Supercross champion Shane McElrath. Enjoy this podcast as Shane dives into some stuff from his past as well as looking forward to the season upcoming in World Supercross. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, he's been on the show four times before. This makes it a perfect five times on the podcast. He's so much fun to talk to. The guy's been around the world and back again because now he's a world champion. Welcome back to the show, Sugar Shane McElrath. Thank you. It has been a little while, but um, I'm excited to catch up again, so thank you. No doubt, my friend. Well, um, like you've been a little bit out of the public eye for the last couple of months. Obviously, Supercross is is done and dusted for the year uh, as far as uh, the AMA series, but like World Supercross gets kicked off this weekend in England. Um, you got to be excited about it, man. You're running the number one for Rick Ware Racing. Uh, you're defending a, a title as a professional for the first time. That's got to feel cool. Uh, tell me about it. What's been the last couple of months like for you? Yeah, it does feel really good. It's been uh, it's definitely been a change of pace um, with kind of finishing Supercross here in the States and continuing to ride Supercross and uh, stay on Supercross. So it has been different, but it's been good. Um, I got back on the 250, the Yamaha 250, and that's been going really well. And um, now it's raining a lot in Florida, so we're really kind of dodging weather, but um, it's been really good. It's It's been a nice change of pace, and now we're getting ready to go to London tomorrow for the first round this weekend. And, um, I mean, it's exciting. We're, well, we do have a, a big break in the, in the schedule, but um, it's exciting to kind of get back to racing, go back to London. Um, I feel like we know it a little bit now after going there last year, but it's uh, – we got the big number one on there, and it's uh, it's a good a good uh, opportunity. It's going to be a fun challenge, and I just I'm I'm excited. It's time to time to get to racing. No kidding. The number one, obviously, uh, the the stylized number one. Uh, I believe the uh, the team is sponsored by Mobile One, so they kind of use that mm-hmm. logo, um, sort of cross promoting that way. Kind of neat uh, to do it in that sort of fashion. Uh, I like your number one a little bit more than I love Colt's number forty five. Sorry, Colt. I'm, I think I'm going to talk to him later on today. But uh, either mm-hmm. way. Uh, bike's looking good, man, and uh, you gotta be feeling good. Like rolling into a championship, uh, I'd say you're the odds-on favorite to to be able to uh, to back this thing up. Uh, but a lot of work goes into that. Um, getting reacclimated to riding a 250 in Supercross, not easy. How have you gone about it? Yeah, honestly, it um, it wasn't too big of a deal. Um, obviously, the biggest thing is is going back to the 250 from the 450. Um, but that didn't really, I did the same thing last year, but it it didn't feel so foreign. Um, my bike that I'm riding right now is, is pretty much the bike I raced last year. Um, haven't made any suspension changes. Um, we have made some motor changes and that's been good, but, um, yeah, for the most part, it was just getting used to the power on Supercross. And, and last year when we were, when we started getting ready for this, we were just coming off outdoors. So right. um, there's that, that transition and then the 450 to 250 transition. And the, actually at the time I was on the Yamaha, 
um, the last couple rounds with Club MX. But um, yeah, so it was uh, it was kind of a culture shock in many different ways. Um, but this time, it's like it was it was getting back on my bike, and it literally felt really good straight away. I'm like, dude, this feels amazing. And it just it took me a little bit to get used to the power, but that's uh, that's really been the biggest challenge. And I mean, it, it might have taken me, uh, I would say, not even a full first day, but it's like I wouldn't say you forget about it at times, but it's like, oh, okay, I like I have to ride this hard the whole time um, to get it to keep going. So um, yeah, it's it's been really good and. Uh, it's been a pretty easy transition. Um, I know for, well, really everybody that races outdoors, it's kind of always the, the, the race to try to get set up for outdoors. I mean, you only have a week, a week off after the, the last round of Supercross and then it's straight to the first round. So you're, you're kind of double dipping between outdoors and Supercross the last couple weeks of Supercross. Um, but for me, it was kind of nice, like, I mean, dude, we're just, nothing's really changing. Like, not much is changing. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been really good. And, I mean, I, I don't really think that there's there's much we could really change, honestly. I mean, it is really hot in Florida right now, and that's, that's not easy, um, riding Supercross in the heat. And it's like, I mean, the last, I would say, two months have been – warm in florida but it's like hot now so um that's really tough no doubt yeah like whereabouts are you training right now uh, i'm riding at the sandbox right now okay so you'd mentioned like it, it's nice to finally sort of have something that's consistent and uh and we've talked about this off air we've even talked about it on air uh in the past um your last say three years basically since since you left Star Yamaha uh, in 2020, it's been uh, musical motorcycles for you, uh, Shane. Mm-hmm. It's been really tough for you to feel like you have your feet on the ground, uh, multiple teams like during the same year. Uh, although I'm sure you're very grateful for the opportunities, it hasn't been like continuity has not been something that's been a big part of your program for quite some time. Um, how has that changed? how important is it that that's changed and how do you feel like you'll be able to um, put your best foot forward with that consistent program uh, underneath you now? Yeah. I mean, to start out, that's not easy and it's, it's not necessarily been fun either. I mean, as a racer, it's like, I want to race my best and I want to, I want to represent the people that I'm with the best that I can. And um, especially like, I mean, starting out the year last year on um, the Rocky Mountain KTM, then the Husky, then the Club MX bike, and then now the, the Rick Ware bike, um, and even the the HEP Suzuki during um, Supercross this year. It's like, I mean, I was I was on the Suzuki for a good bit of time, considering all the other brands. Um, but it's, it's tough. Like you feel like you're just, you're just there and you're kind of just doing 
what you can, I guess. It's not like, oh, dude, I'm I'm here to race. It's like, okay, I'm kind of just getting by. I'm I'm right. like on the track, and I mean, dude, the the guys that we race against, they they know their bikes. They've been on their bikes for a while. They've mm-hmm. put the time in, and I not not that it's um, discouraging or it's. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it is tough mentally because there's a lot that you don't know. And it's like, I remember going to uh, Unadilla last year, and that was my first race on the Club MX bike. And I, I mean, I had ridden it probably three or four times. But it's like, dude, in practice, I'm like, well, I don't really know how hard I can push this. I don't know. And yeah, you don't like, know the I, edge. I'd always, yeah, and I'd always been on Dunlop tires and. Uh, with Club MX, we were on Pirelli at the time, and it's like, dude, I, I I really can't even feel the track. Like, I'm just, I don't know if it's the bike. I don't know if it's the tires. And, I mean, I, I went down and practiced one time because I was on a fast lap, and I'm like, dude, I'm just going to, it was the turn right before you jump back onto the start straight. And I'm like, well, I've got a pretty good lap going, and last year they didn't really rip the track much and so there was kind of one line going into that that turn and i jumped in there and tried to like dive in the rut and dude just totally wash the front and it's like okay well i mean i didn't know what was going to happen but i had to try and it's like okay well i mean that's that's how it's going to go and then we we started both motos and each lap on the track that day i got better but it was strictly from getting more comfortable and like the first the first 10 minutes of the first moto i'm like dude i went straight backwards because it's like i can't sprint right now like i don't know what this bike's going to do and not that it was a bad bike but it's just to kind of like i barely had any time on it and i don't know the characteristics of that bike yet so that's really the hardest thing is like i mean you're you're racing against guys that are dialed in and and I, I believe I should beat a lot of those guys and they just walk away from me because it's like, dude, I'm I'm just not even comfortable or, or competitive and so it's really I would say it's it starts out like, okay, we got some work to do, but then it gets to the point where it's frustrating because it's like, dude, I should beat these guys and I know that I can, but it's like, dude, I, I just need some time. And so that's really the biggest uh, downfall to like riding so many different bikes is like you just, you have to put each bike through its paces and there's only one way to do that. And that's to be out there racing. But then it's like, right when you start to figure something out, it's like, all right, you're done. Like move on to the next bike. It's like, dude, this is just, I don't feel like I've been able to give my best. And that's what, that's what is hard is like you said I, I am thankful for all the opportunities and all the different teams and getting to meet all the different people and I have learned how to how to interact and um, work with guys that I barely know and, and get to know them along the way and that is good um, but yeah it's at the same time it's like dude it's I want to grow more with some of the people that I've met and it's just like alright next like from kind of our side it's like we just we've kind of been jumping around so much so it's um yeah it's definitely not easy 
Certainly. And, and yeah, like I think that's one of the things that uh, is so hard for just your average fan or even your more knowledgeable fan, uh, even someone who rides to really uh, relate to is you guys spend so much time on your bike that it's it's almost like an unfathomable connection that you have compared to what your average weekend warrior or even a, a, a person who spends a lot of time on their bike, how they feel about their motorcycle. And it's, it's like... Um, the only other sort of thing that I can sort of think about is if, if like you yourself, you're a gamer. Um, say like there's like a um, like a Call of Duty game. Like you just you know mm-hmm. every every little inch of the the layouts or how a certain game certain plays. The new game comes out and. You, you you really don't know the sort of the, the nuances like how you can push it how, how all the tricks of the trade about how, yeah. how you like just go crush it uh, on on that particular game after some time yeah mm-hmm. easy just like you're you're just you're ripping around uh, and it, it comes naturally I feel like that's sort of similar as far as like just how connected you guys are to the motorcycle and one of the reasons why you guys are so fast when you achieve that level of comfortability is you have full confidence that if I hit this jump at this speed at this angle I know exactly what the dirt bike's going to do like not like there's a yeah. 40% chance it's 100% it's going to do exactly this I'm fully confident of it and add that up around the entire racetrack that that's seconds yeah yeah and I mean that's the thing it's like with the jumps the jumps are almost the easy part it's riding the long ruts and the bumps in the ruts and right you've got to try to go for a pass and hit a line that you haven't taken but it's like i don't know what my bike's going to do in the normal line i've been taking yet so it's like i i'm not switching lines and doing that so um yeah like you said there there are many unknowns and it's like yeah we're we're still out there going around the track we're doing the same things um and I mean, we're, we're riding at probably 80% and it, it's still pretty good, but it's not competitive to where I would normally would be or where I should be. And especially right. not with the guys that are, are leading in top five and stuff. So, um, it, it is a, it is a big deal. Yeah, certainly. And, and that's like for, for your average fan or even media guys like myself, I, I look at the results and I'm like, man, sh- like Shane's kind of like, he's, he's lost a step a little bit. What's Shane doing out there? He's not nearly like I would have put him at such and such a spot. And he's, he's several positions behind that. And like, you, so often we don't get to know the full picture or, um, riders are very reluctant to sort of give, um, feedback they're like oh, i'm just not comfortable on the motorcycle which immediately makes people feel like oh like or this oh the, the the suzuki's not good or the yamaha's not good or or when you're on the husky it's it's not a, a husky 450 it's it's not a good motorcycle it's, it's not that it's not a good motorcycle it's just you haven't had the time to to get completely acclimated to this bike and until you do so your best can't you just can't expect your best out of yourself um and uh but unfortunately it's just that situation that you've been in like whether it's like moto concepts i'm sure they had a great motorcycle uh with the rocky mountain bike i'm sure it was a great bike too the husky the star racing yamaha the club mx bike you name it all great bikes Mm -hmm. you didn't spend an overly amount of time on any of them you know what i mean like you spent more time on on a uh tld ktm in the three years that you were with those guys versus all of the time combined 
uh, on those other motorcycles. Um, and uh, that, that just puts you behind the eight ball. It, it creates a lot of yeah. uh, inconsistency, whether it's with your, your riding or your training program as well. Like there's something mm-hmm. to be said for like working with, uh, whether it's Swanee or someone else for a really long period of time, you get to know uh, your body in that program and tweak it. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of the things that makes uh, consistently really special. Yes, that's exactly right. And I mean, everything that we do plays into everything else that we do. Um, like our riding, our training, our nutrition, our recovery, our sleep. And it's like when one thing's going off, it's like, I mean, there's been many times where I'm just, I go to sleep thinking about my bike. I wake up thinking about my bike. I'm just like, dude, what, what's wrong? Like, is it me? Is it the bike? What? I just can't figure stuff out. And it's like, I mean, that's, that's what we do. It's like, well, for me, it's like, dude, I'm a problem solver. When there's a problem, I'm going to figure out how to solve it. And I just can't turn my brain off. Like it's, it's hard to do. And I mean, I, I am a calculated guy, but it's like when, when everything is working together, there really is no calculation. It's just, dude, we're, we're doing the work. We can rest at the end of the day and know like, dude, what we have right now is going good. Um, but the other end of that is, dude, I'm just struggling going around the practice track and I'm two to three seconds off just in practice. It's like when I get to the race, it's going to be even more. And you're thinking about it and you're, you're overwhelming yourself and you're stressing yourself out. And so, yeah, there's, there's many emotions that come with uh, just riding a motorcycle on the weekend that a lot of people don't see. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a full-time job and I mean, it's what we, we love to do. Um, but there are times when it is a job and there's times when it's like, dude, this is a lot of fun. Certainly. Well, Hey, r- racing the dirt bike, man. Like, uh, I've often, I've told you many times, uh, my, my full-time job prior to uh, working full-time with verb was uh, laying bricks. And, uh, I'm sure you've had some hard days at work, but I'd switch it with you to, uh, probably 10 times out of 10. Uh, we could, you can come lay some bricks for me and I'll, I'll go uh, pound out some motos, although I'm not nearly as fast. Uh, that is the main, the main, uh, detractor there. Um, but you yourself, um, having a lot of fun on your motorcycle, you 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 genuinely enjoy your job. Um, how excited are you to, to like get get this season started finally? Uh, I know there is a big lull between uh, between rounds a little bit, but uh, it kicking off this weekend is going to feel good. And uh, doing some globe trotting with your wife—that's going to be a lot of fun this year. Yeah, and honestly, last year we had so much fun, um, kind of with the unknown of dude, we've never been out of the States and we're going to go to these places and drive these cars and drive on this side of the road and, um, try and find food. And, um, we, we had a lot of fun last year and this year I I feel like we're, we're going to be a lot better about our time management, our sleep management and kind of everything in between. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really excited to get going. The, the format of the world supercross is a lot of fun. Um, just it's, 
it is supercross, but just the way that the days laid out is a little bit different. And once you get into the racing and the night program, like it's, it's different and it's, it's just, it's a good different. It's a lot of fun. It's really high intensity. And I mean, that's, that's what's really cool about it is like, dude, it's, it's really close racing. And obviously from a fan's perspective, it's like, yeah, we want to see the action. And from a racer's perspective, it's like, dude, these guys are ripping and I don't really have a lot of time to do much if you get a bad start. Um, but I mean, that's last year. I had a lot of fun. I really, uh, had to, I, I mean, I did a lot of passing last year. It was just, um, my starts weren't super good. And that's something with the, the short high intensity racing that can really be the downfall of the whole weekend. So we've really been working on that. And yeah, just honestly, like I said, my bike, uh, the suspension wise hasn't changed from last year and it's been feeling good at the practice track and <clears throat> just getting to know the Yamaha again. It's like, dude, I, I really like the Yamaha and we've made some good motor improvements and getting to go, um, ride them on a good track and getting to, to put them to the test. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, though it's been stressful just with the timing of it. Um, it's been a lot of fun getting things together and, uh, I'm, I'm excited to go race. I know there's some good guys in the 250 class and I'm, uh, I'm excited for the challenge of having to defend and having to, to try to win again. And it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and you'll be doing it all over the world. Uh, all right, some truth serum, man. First time you jumped on the Yamaha, did you grab for a Kickstarter or no? Um, not the first time, but I have grabbed for it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, dude, I was on old habits die hard, for, baby. Yeah, I mean, I was on the Suzuki for like two two or three months and there were times where I, I still would just reach for the start button. And That's amazing. It, it was like, it's something you don't really think you would get used to obviously because it's, it's kind of the only brand with the Kickstarter still. Um, oh, yeah. and it was like, uh, like on the Yamaha it's, if I'm thinking about it, it's no, no problem. It's like, Oh dude, I love the start button. Love the start button. It's like, dude, I'm, I'll just be having a conversation. It's like, go to take off or try something and and mentally i'm not thinking about it i'll just reach for the kickstarter i'm like dude it's not there <laughs> yeah that's so funny yeah no yeah. I, I i ride a two-stroke you know this uh but i borrow yeah. bikes all the time and like ride with some of my older buddies of mine they all have like brand new four strokes and whatnot sometimes even brand new two strokes i go to pull mm-hmm. the the kickstart out it's gone it's not there uh i'm yeah. i'm still on my t- 2016 although i love that motorcycle and i was able to win a championship on it last year but uh yeah that's a bit different and like you mentioned getting yeah. onto a four stroke or four, 450 racing supercross uh for suzuki and and, and uh, the hep guys this week this this last year uh you mentioned just like having to be more busy and having to push the motorcycle for supercross um where on the motocross or on a supercross track does a 250 really demand a lot of work? Uh, is it coming out of corners? Is it carrying momentum over like through rhythm sections? What is it? Yeah, I would say it's it's getting out of the corners and getting the jumps. Um, the 450 is you, easy. Button. You can labor more 
on, especially in the corners, like on the 250, once the corners start to break down and like the jump faces out of the corners, you, you almost have to be spot on or there's some jumps you won't be able to make out of the corner. And also with, um, with going down the rhythm section, like, I mean, we can do the jumps in second gear on the 250, but it's like you, you get revving the RPMs up pretty, pretty high and the engine brake is quite a bit. So it's like, it's almost easy to forget because like on the 450, you can stay in second gear and just like use the throttle and you're kind of in a good power range where you have plenty to rev it and you can also like roll off the throttle a little bit but there's not a lot of engine braking whereas the 250 it's like you almost have to shift the gear higher and just let it let it go and roll through the rhythm Um, because if you're trying to to like stay in second gear you have to rev it quite a bit like you you can't not be on the gas or else it's it's like you're hitting the brakes so um i would say it it's really the corners um and like coming out of the corners for the whoops like the 450 you can pull third or fourth gear almost like no problem whereas the 250 it's like third or fourth gear for the whoops you you have to work the clutch either way and the only way to really help with that is carrying a lot of momentum through the corner well that that gets a lot harder as the, the turn breaks down so um it was it was some uh, some learning lessons right when I got back on the bike. I'm like, okay, this, I'm I'm almost like being too lazy. And I was I was talking to uh, Ken Rossin today about. It. He's like, have you had Name trouble? Like, uh, yeah, have you had trouble adjusting <laughs> to the 250 again? And I'm like, honestly, not not too bad. Like at first, it was it would if mentally I kind of like spaced out or something while I'm riding like my muscle memory goes back to just a certain throttle but on the 250 you have to ride it hard all the way around the track um, just for the momentum of it but um, yeah it was uh, it, it's not been too bad like I said it, it took me um, my fastest lap on the track that I've done is it came from like my third or fourth day on the bike like i i had some good times um when i first got back on the bike and getting up to speed and stuff but it was like day three or four of just straight training where it was like okay i actually set my best time on that bike and um actually got fully up to speed really so yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with time. that. Like, w- once yeah. you start to find, like, kind of, you start to grease stuff, you start to get the transitions, yeah. especially if it's mm-hmm. on the, the same track. Yeah. Yeah. And even even uh, the same track as I was riding the 450 on earlier in the year. And it's it's like I I didn't do as fast of a time. Like, this track here is, is pretty open and fast. Um, but the day I, I've done my fastest time, it was like a brand new, fresh track, like perfect dirt. And I did, it, it's like half a second faster than what I actually did on the 250. Um, but it's like the track lately, 
hasn't been ideal conditions. So, um, like it actually feels really good, even though I actually haven't went as fast yet. So it's definitely promising though. I like it. So I wish you the best of luck this week, this, this year in, uh, in this particular series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's switch gears and talk about some other fun stuff. Unless you just want to hang up on me. That'd be cool too. Um, Like you're you're on the bike a lot, but you're also off the bike a lot. You can't be riding at mm. all times um, and setting up a motorcycle. Uh, what have you been doing in your your off time a little bit? Uh, what kind of music you listen to on the way to the track? Um, and uh, I you I do know you to be a gamer. So uh, yeah, how how often are you able to uh, like do? You, I guarantee you have a gaming chair. Uh, and how often does your wife I just do uh, let you just do your thing? Yeah, I, I actually do not. Um, I have like a executive office chair or something. Like it, it's a leather chair, and um, yeah. So I've I've honestly been going in and out of it a little bit. Like I didn't I didn't play for like a year and a half or something at one point, and uh, it's been probably the last couple months I started playing it a little more. Um, but I'm kind of to the point now where it's like, dude, I'm just I, I don't want to play anymore. It's like I have other things that I need to do. Um, I've, Is Shane McElrath getting offices. too old for video games? Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's, I, I like playing with my buddies, but it's that's really the only thing that I like. And we okay. don't really all get together that often. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been switching offices in my house. And I built a like a floating desk and kind of moved all my memorabilia and everything and made some more storage in another room for that. And yeah, we've we've been doing some house projects and obviously with our schedule hasn't been too concrete. Like we've kind of been moving or changing as we go, I guess. Um with the weather here in Florida, it's like we'll, we'll kind of have a set plan for the day or for the week or whatever. And I mean, it could just come a massive storm and then it's like, okay, well we're not riding today. So then we go do some cardio. Then we kind of figure out, okay, what are we going to do today? So, um, we do it. We actually had a lot like during Supercross, like we didn't really do too much around the house. Um, that season, this, this year was the first year we actually finished the season. Um, and I'm telling you, it's really long. Like it's, it's tough mentally, it's tough physically and emotionally, like to be there at every round. So it was a big accomplishment to finish the series healthy. Um, but really kind of throughout the year, like there were, there were weeks where we came home, we rested for two days or we rested like Monday, did some cardio road Tuesday and Wednesday and we're, we're flying out Thursday. So like a lot of stuff just piled up and it's like, Hey, we're, we got other things we got to do. We'll, we'll get to this when we're done. So, um, the first, I would say probably two, two to three weeks after Salt Lake city, we were just trying to catch up on everything around the house, clean everything up, go through all our stuff and, I mean, we just, we would come home, dump a pile of whatever here, 
the gear from the weekend, clean it, stack it, and stuff just starts building up. So it was like, okay, what all do we have? What all do we need? Don't we need? Get rid of stuff. And yeah, just kind of filtering through everything. So it's, um, and now we're, we have been trying to ride. We've been doing some motor testing and we're kind of all doing that on our own here in Florida because Twisted Developments in California. And so they, they ship us stuff. We ride it when we can um, due to the weather. And yeah, we just, there, there has been a lot going on, but not, not a lot, if that makes sense. Cause it's like, okay, well, we, we can't do anything today. We'll have to wait till tomorrow or wait till next week. So, um, it's been, it's been, uh, tough because obviously we, we run on structure a lot and it's like, we have that structure and then, okay, nope, we're not doing that. Well, it's like, well, not that messes up the whole structure. Like we, we got to do some of this stuff. So, um, that's really, it's been really trying lately. Um, and now with, with supercross during the summer, nobody really does supercross during the summer. So, um, trying to work out how that's going to work during the summer, because I mean, it's, it's expensive to upkeep supercross and to, to maintain it and and it's also extra work because everybody's on outdoors right now so um we've been we've been learning and we've been working and it's uh yeah i mean i i I like i like being productive uh so anything that that gets me productive i enjoy doing that whatever that looks like certainly well that that does sound like with that being said, it would make sense why you've been a bit frustrated over the last couple of years because you're almost having to start from scratch um, yeah. more more times than not. Like if I think about it, like since since uh, um, since star racing, we've had we've had, I've just gone, I'm going through your Instagram right now. This is ridiculous, mm-hmm. dude. We got Liat, <laughs> and then you're on Fly, uh, and then we have either you're Fly again but different team, Fly again mm-hmm. but again a different team. Uh, FXR later that year, uh, and then uh, World Supercross fly, fly for a third time with yep. Hep Suzuki, and then now you are a O'Neill guy with an Arai yep. helmet. I do hope that there's going to be some sort of Shades of Grey custom painted helmet thing going on. I think that's one thing about World Supercross that's actually going to come back and be awesome. Um, question, is there a collection of like a, like a set of gear from all of these teams? What the hell do you do with all of the gear, man? Cause I know, I know they don't send you just like two sets of gear, like go, go practice. Mm-hmm. Like you must have hockey bags or maybe it's uh, OGO 9800s full <laughs> of unworn gear, stuff you can't use, stuff you can't like unpack um, this for yes. me. Yes. So, um, it is, it is a little tough, um, because for me, like it's, it's hard. I want to keep a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but it, there gets to the point where it's like, dude, you just can't. And so like a lot of stuff I do just give away, um, like last year. Well, so from Supercross this year, I did give out some stuff throughout the year but I actually kept a lot of stuff because it's like, okay, 
if we're like we're trying to we have like a a media guy that lives with us and he does all my stuff full time now and we're trying to to build up our our social media and um we're planning on getting into doing some merch soon and so this year from supercross i have like 25 full sets of gear that i i set aside that i can i'm we're gonna do some sort of giveaway with the 25 sets um but then i have like another 10 to 15 jerseys that are just jerseys by themselves and then i have the stuff that i gave out already throughout the year um with the club mx deal i only have well even with the rick Ware deal last year i only have like maybe two two to three sets of that that i kept right. um because i i didn't get much there um the fxr deal i only have a couple sets from that and uh the husky deal i kept some of that stuff um like two two helmets i think and um or I think I only had two helmets, or maybe maybe I have three helmets. I'm not sure. Um, and same with the the Rocky Mountain deal before that. I, I think I only have jerseys from that. Um, but yeah, so a lot of a lot of the gear that we get um, kind of early on, say like preseason ridings, a lot of times then it'll just be blank gear. Yeah, um, until personalize we get or to the races. Yeah, and so a lot of time that stuff will just get blown out and we just throw it away. Um, but right. then once we start getting gear from the races, uh, that turns into practice gear. Like normally the first couple of rounds, maybe we give out one set, um, but ultimately that all turns to practice gear. And then once we have enough practice gear, it's like okay, I don't know what to do with the rest of it, and it just starts getting stacked up at home. So. Um, that's what, like this year from Supercross, it's like, okay, after we, we came home, got everything organized, it's like, went through all my gear. This is the stuff we're going to use for some giveaways of some sort. We don't know yet. Um, the rest, it's like, if, I mean, I'll normally try and keep some of the better stuff, uh, like, but pants that are, that have been destroyed. It's like, okay, do I have a good set of pants to put with this Jersey to give away? If not, I just I just throw the pants away and keep the jersey. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's different for different situations, kind of depending on how much I have of the stuff. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff on, that I hung up on the wall, a lot of it is from my TLD days, and obviously I was there for seven years, um, so that's the majority of my stuff. But I, I only have. I think I have two helmets from Star that I was able to keep, and I have a couple jerseys. I, I think I, I've kept some full sets of gear each year, um, just on the side, um, and I do have some jerseys. I actually kept a bunch of graphics kits from the MCR team. Okay. Um, I have I have it all in like bins, kind of kind of sorted by years. Like I have, I still have some old, well. I have a lot of old TLD helmets, um, but and I still have TLD some Honda. Uh, I only have one, one from TLD Honda, and it was a it mm. was a custom paint job, I think. Um, 
but yeah, I I still have a lot a lot of TLD stuff that's not hung up also. So yeah, it's uh and you know, being married and all it. it's it's not house decor. Like <laughs> I was about it, to it, say, it, what does the wife think about these bins of gear? So the in the garage, I mean they're just they're bins, they're up on a shelf, they're just labeled. I mean, Joey wants me to keep them. Yeah. Uh, and for me, like, dude, I have no problem throwing stuff away. It's like, dude, we got a mess here. Let's just take it to the dump. And Joey's like, no, we can't. We can't. We got to keep this stuff. And it's like, okay. And, but the thing is, like, it, it it can't be out, obviously. Like, my office, it's like, it's like a shrine, even though it's it's weird to say that. But it's like, that's the only place I can hang any of it up. And also in the garage, but we don't really have much hung up in the garage. So, um, yeah, it's really only in one room and we have like a little loft area where, um, we have our spin bike and our rower and like a stretching area and stuff that's, and we have some of like my big trophies hung up on the walls there, uh, like on some shelves. But for the most part, it's like, there's like two areas where there's, moto related stuff and the rest of the house is is uh has a nice lady touch to it i was gonna say your your house probably sounds your house sounds a lot like mine uh there's you wouldn't know that i raised dirt bikes until you go to the garage uh which yeah. is probably how it really should be to be completely honest uh some of those i'm sure there's some people listening right now who are trying who are like feverishly trying to dm you to try and hit you up for some of these jerseys we're talking about right now um but I, uh, yeah, I recently moved and I counted it up, Shane, and I myself, as not a professional motocross racer in any, by any regard, have over 60 motocross jerseys. And uh, I can only imagine that you probably have 10x that or have been have received that over just over the last few years. Like, I think there was a magazine you might remember, although I don't know if you how much you read magazines, but I think it was a trans world from back in the day that they literally went through like the top, say the top 10 guys in four fifties. And they like, yeah, they contacted like their reps of how much each guy gets sent. And like James Stewart went through like a hundred pairs of goggles in a year. Like it was like, yeah. what? That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Huh. That happens. Interesting. That's wild. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's but it's a, but, but we love it. That's uh, we we collect yeah. our things, and there's special memories. Like, yeah, you, you I'm sure. Yeah, eventually you're just kind of like you roll your eyes at like some blown out uh, pants. I think it's funny how pants like they get to a certain level of beaten up, and you're just like, get these out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's what's uh, I obviously haven't really had had it that way for a long time. Like my last couple years amateur, well, really my last year as an amateur um i remember um right before right after minios in 2011 i i got a deal with answer right and i think it was after minios i don't remember if i wore answer at minios it might have been after loretta's but it's like i i had like a 750 dollar uh budget or something for gear and it's like at the time that that got me like three or four sets and dude yeah. i blew th through that stuff super quick well then at loretta's the next year i still wore that's those same 
three or four sets of gear that I got. And then right after that, I got on TLD and like going out there for the first time, riding the bike, like there, you got more, more gear in that one trip than the, the whole year with, with answer. And their, their race shop was at their headquarters where they did all their shipping and, and they, they had all their inventory there. And so my, my trip out there, like signed the deal. They, they gave me like, um, really one of everything like all these clothes gear bags like pack the gear bags full of stuff and it's like can you take these back if not we'll ship them um and gave me the catalogs like hey do you want any gear and i'm like well i'm I'm gonna need some gear and so i went through and picked out all this gear and of course they got it to me um but i didn't understand or i didn't know that no you're actually going to get gear for the races until I actually got gear for the races. And I'm like, dude, I, I got way more gear than I needed um, for practice, obviously. But it, it was like nobody really told me. So, um, And then after that, it's like, dude, you mean I get this much gear at each race? I'm like, yep. Like, okay, well. And I, I literally, since then, I maybe have gotten like three three sets of gear that weren't at a race like three or four sets just so that I could, I could start practicing. Like when I switched to a new, new brand or something, everything right. else has came from the races and yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. They've sort of changed the, the approach to that. I think there, there was a time when a guy would get signed to a team and then whoever does the gear for that team or whoever they, they had, like they would just, they'd send a, a crap ton of stuff out to their house and it would be unlabeled and this, that, and the other thing. Or maybe they would do, they would personalize it. But now it's yeah, like you get sent a certain amount of gear at the tra- like at race day, and you're essentially like you show up without gear, and then you go home with some, uh, it, unless you Correct. give it away and stuff yep. like that. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to see how it all sort of uh, works out year over year. You had you wore some really cool TLD gear. You had uh, yes. this like stars and stripes stuff, like it was like red, white, and blue. Uh, and oh, of dude, course, the every year I look forward to wearing that stuff. That was it's sweet. Like, what, what's the design this year? I'm ready to yeah. wear it. Yeah, definitely. And then you had the yeah. obviously the skull or the uh, the skeleton gear when you raced the yep. 300. It was a 300, by the, the way. Rhythm. Yep. Yep. Yes, it was. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and all that fun stuff. Like, yeah, you had some really, really cool setups back in the day. Uh, I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. literally like diving deep on your Instagram right now. Number forty. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Like uh, you also put. I'm, I'm gonna. I have to send you that. That's ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, like you had some really cool stuff, and I, this it was uh, it was a cool time in the sport. Um, like that that must have been a pretty spent like obviously like you probably look back on your TLD times uh pretty fondly that was uh that was a, a good time to be or uh, especially early in your career number 70 uh for a short bit yep that was for the Glen Helen GP oh yeah the in like 2015 yep it's like shades of Carmichael's number 70 yes so i agree I like with that number 70 also yes and you were also a fly guy for a bit too i saw Yes. Yep. So I, my original number when I was a kid uh, was seven X, like just seven X. Mm-hmm. And then we showed up to some, and maybe it was an area qualifier or something. And somebody had seven X, so I had to change my number. Well, then I went to seventy, 
and I was 70 for a really long time. And then we went to another area or regional. Somebody had 70, so it's like, okay, well, we put a one on the end. So then I was 701 for a long time. And then um, my last year, I, I got number 27 at Loretta's after that. And then I just, I was like, well, I mean, 27 is kind of cool. So I kept 27. And then I went, uh, I was 27 for the rest of my amateur career. And yeah. And then 80, 87 on a, I think that was your first national number. Um, yep. Teammates with that Malcolm was. Stewart that year. That must have been fun racing mm-hmm. uh, like teammates. And on his side with, uh, yeah, with, with Malcolm. That must have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it was Malcolm and Jesse Nelson and Cole Seeley also. That was my rookie year. And then Cole went to 450s the next year in 2015. Right. Oh, that's right. That's interesting. Yeah. Dude, yeah, you've been uh you've been around for a while now, man. You're like I it's funny cuz I, I remember crazy. you coming into the pros and now you're now you're just old. Yeah, I feel like I'm just getting started. <laughs> I know. I will yeah, yeah, your 450 career started like 12 minutes ago. 12 teams ago as well, but uh yeah, still Yeah, very true. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, very true. I love it, man. But uh, like, what what are some of your goals rolling into the season? Like, obviously, you want to you want to back up that championship. How are you going to go about it? Yeah, um, honestly, I'm I'm ready to uh, continue to grow as a racer. I think, even though it's a different championship, it's a different style of racing. A little bit, it's like there's so many things that carry over, um, like from AMA Supercross to World Supercross and vice versa. Um, the mentality is the same. Um, that's where for me last year it was, and yes, it was two rounds last year, but there were there were the same um, mental challenges at each race. It's like okay, we're on the starting line, we're all in the same position, where we've got to kind of play the long game a little bit, and it's. Uh, three moto format and it's like okay um how are we going to do this like each like first two races are six laps and some of these guys are sending it for six laps and it's like dude i i'm okay i'm i'm okay getting a second right here so um then okay how am i going to play the third one and so it's the the mental challenges are still there um and and i'm getting better at them and so that's really for me it's like okay there's and a lot of guys that race here in the states also but it's like these are the guys i'm racing these are what they're good at these are what they're not so good at um this is where i need to be better um these these are some of my strengths and how do i apply those and how do i learn um to work on my weaknesses in the moment and it's like okay i'm struggling with this can i change this and um so for me it's it's about the experience and becoming a better racer and becoming a, uh, a stronger racer, I guess. And just, um, yeah, I guess working on control in the mind. And I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good platform 
maybe it's it's not on the same level as AMA Supercross, but it's there's so many things that are so similar that it's like, you know what? I can work on these things here and it'll make me better or it'll make me more aware and it'll help me uh, apply these things better when I get to, to race AMA or um, race any other, any other race for that matter. It's like, dude, we're, we're racers and we're trying to, to get better every time we're out there. And um, for me to, to be confident in myself and to be confident in my bike and um, my ability, it's, it's a really good feeling. And like last year it was, I felt good on the bike but it, we didn't have much preparation coming in. So it's like, well, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm, I feel good and I'm ready to race. And we ended up winning both of the rounds. And so this year it's like, okay, we're in a better position. Um, there's things that I, I could have done better last year, but I have been working on those things. And so now it's like, okay, we're going to come in and we're going to, we're going to make a better start than we did last year because we're, we're, we've already changed some of the things that we did last year. So, um, it's for me, it's about the, the constant and steady growth. And that's really what I'm, I'm looking at and, um, learning to, to be a better and more well-rounded racer. Like for me, that's, that's the biggest goal. And I, I do believe that I can win and I believe that I should win. And I think that it's, a uh, it's not going to be easy, but I think that if I do my job and I, I ride how, um, I should ride, I think that I have a pretty good chance of winning. So, um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited for you, my friend. You sound confident and that's a problem for everybody else on the line. Uh, Shane McElrath here on Big MX Radio. This will also appear on Verb Moto. For those who are listening to this on Verb, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Big MX version of uh, the Verb Moto broadcast. Uh, Shane, uh, appreciate the time, my friend. Just about an hour chatting about uh, motocross, supercross, and everything else in between. Uh, appreciate the time, my friend. Yes, sir. Thanks for the time and catching up. And um, We will have a sixth time. Absolutely. Well, you don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Well, there you have it. My interview with none other than Sugar Shane McElrath. Fantastic guy. Always loved having him on the show. Great conversation. Could go on with him for hours. Anyway, without further ado, here's Out of the Ranch by Zach Hill. Kids up to grown man Walk through the gates of the coal miner's daughter To make a point clearer than the creek water Who's the best, who's it gonna be In Hurricane Mills, Tennessee Can you feel the adrenaline Dirt flies hypnotized by the wheel spin Hear the crowd, everybody's whistling Line on the field If you can put it all together three times This one week of racing could change Everybody knows this is where it all begins Do what you gotta do for 20 plus 2 out at the ranch Out 
fans Play the national anthem and everybody stands Smell the smoke from the two strokes riding by The 30 second cards on its side Do what you gotta do for 20 plus 2 